Broadcasting live from couch, the one to sit for sofa. This is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Gareth Strother. And I'm your other host, Seamus Connolly. And today we are hitting the bell for round two, finally, the rematch of the streaming services... It's been nearly a hundred episodes since we've visited this concept, and and so much has grown and changed in the streaming service landscape that it's finally time to take another look again. I'm very excited. It was January 2021. The streaming landscape, yeah, was so different. (laughs) It's so crazy. As you can hear, I'm doing a little bit of a throwback in my audio quality, my, uh, my recording room is a little bit in flux at the moment, so I apologize for any echo or other audio issues that may be coming as a side effect of that. But not to dwell on that too much, let's go ahead and move into our news segment with a <laughs> Disney danger! <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I'm gonna get as good this time. Up last week. Yeah, the last time you did a good job. <laughs> that was a pure accident, but uh, you know, I'm gonna try to do it every time now. <laughs> well, Disney, after their Fox acquisition, I don't know if you guys heard about this. Disney <laughs> bought 20th Century Fox, and it has recently been announced that Disney will be censoring the classic 1970s pulpy crime film starring Gene Hackman, The French Connection, not only on streaming, but also when re-released theatrically and presumably in all further physical media releases. This is kind of in line with with Disney's recent history of trying to scrub anything potentially offensive from their past, and apparently that now extends to 20th Century Fox's past. So... It is a use of the N-word that has been cut from The French Connection. However, I feel like, Seamus, you've seen The French Connection. I think The French Connection is an incredible film, yeah. It's clear that in the context of that movie, anybody with any media literacy can tell that the character using that N-word is a racist cop who is supposed to be telling us something about that character. I read a fascinating interview with William Friedkin from a while ago where he, where back in this era, I mean, they still do this now, they would go and they would test with different demographics Mm. their films, and they had a screening in a heavily black area of New York And apparently the audience had a really positive reaction to that line because the the comment cards said it was the first time that they felt like they saw words that they knew cops were using in real life being portrayed on screen. And obviously a big part of that entire movie is trying to find a deeper, darker, seedier side of New York detectives that was traditionally shown at the time in media. I mean, yeah, the the French Connection is clearly a dirty scumbag movie about dirty scumbag people. It's not like there is any airs that these these detective characters are like good guys. They are like doing shakedowns and using racial slurs and like treating other people that aren't, you know, New York detectives like scum of the earth. And that is, you know, that's just what that movie was trying to portray, I think. 
And it's also like there's a weird with that line that they've cut and censored specifically. There's like this <laughs> also weird characterization where they're using this word and then it goes in later into the scene and he's like using it to act like a regular cop so he can speak with like an informant who's mm-hmm. like on the left. So it, there's like a few layers of of character that are being scrubbed a little bit just from this one moment. Yeah. Yeah. It tells you a lot about Popeye Doyle, who is a very interesting, complex, but I mean, like we said, scumbag Mm -hmm. of a character. And outside of the context of the French connection, this is a very dangerous precedent to be setting because sure. Censor it on Disney plus it's for babies. Fine. Mm. But to, to censor it, for all theatrical releases going forward is insane to me. Yeah, that is that is just like that's dangerous. It truly is dangerous. You know, we I talked not too long ago on this show about like Disney even censoring something like Adventures in Babysitting, where they they scrub out the those two sing the two uses of the f word in that movie, and it's like that's a family movie. It's on. It's like for younger audiences, kind of. It's on Disney Plus still, sure. Like, and that's not a like it's a moment I remember loving as a kid. Being like, oh wow, they're using swear words. I feel like that's a pretty important moment in the whole movie. I mean, the the moment itself is still, you know, intact enough, but looking back on it, still, I mean, I'm not happy about it still, but it's not as important, I would say, to the film and the characters as something like what they're doing with the French Connection. It also makes me wonder if somebody wants to do like a 35mm revival screening of the French Connection. Is Disney going to license that? Or are they going to be like, well, he's going to play the digital censored version? Cleaned up version of it? I mean... I don't know. At that point, that whole movie is these characters acting and being in situations that are just absolutely horrible. So however many little snippets they're going to cut in and out of, I hear this this censored version, like, it starts just in the middle of a, the conversation that they're having before they cut the, you know, however many seconds of footage of them using that word. So it's just going to get more weird and confusing and choppy, and the edit itself is going to suffer for that. And, and that's just like an actual shame for a movie that's been a classic for decades at this point. I think we should cut all of... Joe Pesci's racial slurs out of Goodfellas. I think that's the next step. I oh, I haven't seen Goodfellas in so long. Does he use a lot of racial slurs in that? I mean, he's Joe Pesci in a movie, so... <laughs> yeah, I guess, is there any more of a scumbag than, like, gangster Joe Pesci? Probably not. <laughs> really? No, actually. Because, like, like... Between that casino... Because <laughs> I think Joe Pesci in real life is, like, an alright guy? Right? Like, he, he was never, like, canceled back in the day? I have... I don't know. I mean, he walked away from acting when he was a really big star. I think that says something about his character, but I don't really know a lot about Joe Pesci's personal life. Well, on screen, he really is a piece of work, that Joe Pesci, but... (laughs) That gold tooth smiling down (laughs) Oh my god, the sticky bandits. Why am I going to Home Alone 2 instead of Home Alone 1? Weird. (laughs) Because the sticky bandits is funnier than the wet bandits. Than the wet bandits? Yeah, I guess that's true. That is a funnier concept. But why don't we move on to our piece of streaming-related news, actually. Very relevant to what we're doing today, and in fact will be included in our rematch of the streaming services segment coming up right after this. Amazon Prime Video will be adding a cheaper ad-supported tier in the near future. That is 
an interesting development for for Amazon here because I feel like a lot of the problems that I've had with Amazon Prime Video and even some some of those problems that have consisted since our first battle of the streaming services have not necessarily been changed much and a cheaper more ad tier for the service isn't necessarily going to appeal to somebody like me i guess i i are there not ads at the beginning and the end of amazon movies already yeah but i mean it's usually i actually i just watched a movie on amazon last night and I sat through my trailer for the new season of Bosch or whatever it was. <laughs> sure, I guess, but I don't know. So, this, so this is more of like a ads at the beginning and then a couple ad commercial breaks throughout. I imagine we're just slowly reinventing Crackle. Soon, every streaming service <laughs> will just be Crackle. Oh, it's gonna be such a shock when Crackle clinches the first place slot in our in our rematch coming up. I think Crackle got bought by Roku. I think Roku channel oh. has integrated Crackle into its interface, or some, or maybe it was Tubi or something. But something bought Crackle. And I, I, you know, I would have come up with this joke sooner or later. Who has the Quibi rights again? I know somebody bought the, the Quibi Roku rights. channel. That's still Roku. Oh man, see, yeah. that's what we really, we really should have prepped more for. Is go back to Quibi. <laughs> I suppose we could have included the Roku channel, but I don't know. It just seems maybe maybe next time Roku channel. You did have the Weird Al movie that was that was a strong oh, yeah. showing. That is, I I have wanted to see that, and I don't have Roku, so <laughs> that is that's exclusive against me. I don't know if you can use the Roku channel on non Roku devices. Probably not. We'll cut. Co- you'll come over and watch the Weird Al. Movie. Hell yeah, I, I would love to do that for sure. We'll do a runoff streaming service battle where it's like. It is all the periphery ones, Criterion Channel, and Quibi, Roku, and, uh, and all, all the super hyper-specific ones. Yeah, well, because that's been our that's been our rule, right, is we're not doing, like, the boutique ones, so also, like, Mubi and Crunchyroll and stuff. Yes, we're not yes. doing live TV services like Sling, which I think is, like, the third most popular streaming service if you count that. Wow, really? I that, yeah. That's honestly very surprising. I had Sling for the 2016 presidential primaries because <laughs> that was the only way to yeah. watch them. Uh, I, I think my parents have Sling to this day for for just, like, having a live TV service. Man, when they watch 911 Lone Star and... Oh, uh, man, I don't think I could do anything to get my parents to watch 911 Lone Star. <laughs> that, that show's rough, man. Uh my parents watch 911 Lost. I don't know if they still do, but they used to. I I just remember watching the pilot for that show in a class once and being like, "How and why?" And you said, "Zoe from Firefly, why are you here?" I that was even pre me seeing Firefly, I think. So I was just wow. like, "Who's this lady?" You know, embarrassing. I know, dude. I know. But what do you say, Seamus? Let's go ahead and look and see who gets the crown in the rematch of the streaming services. <laughs> Let's do it. For today's main segment, we are doing the long-awaited rematch of the streaming services. Now, many people listening to the show probably do not remember our first one. It's not worth going back and listening to. This <laughs> yep. is going to be the definitive ranking of the streaming services. We're going to go through each one, talk about its pricing, some of its original content, its interface, things like that, one by one, and then at the end, Shamus and I will come together 
and build up our rankings and, and kind of butt heads about that. Although I don't think we really will butt heads, to be honest. Yeah, maybe a little less. Maybe when it comes down to, like, first and second place, we might differ again. But we'll, we'll see what we get there. We got, a, we got a lot to talk about. But coming in on our first service, the granddaddy of all streaming services, the one that started it all, Netflix. If we want to break down our pricing here, they've got a really stupid pricing tier system. They've got their standard with ads package, which I did not even know that Netflix had ads until I started researching for this. I honestly think, because I think we maybe even covered them rolling out ads on the show and we've just never had to deal with it because it's such yeah. a, it's a tier that we would have never even touched, I don't think. So that is high definition streaming with not all of your favorite Netflix shows, but you can watch two screens at a time for six ninety nine a month. That is insane, I think. That is like... It makes no e- sense. Even more insane than that. For nine ninety nine a month, you can get the basic package, which is standard definition, 480p on one screen. So if you only watch... Netflix on your Apple Watch, you can do that for ten dollars a month. <laughs> I, I guess bizarre the the pricing, the feature bizarre. I mean, at that point, just get Netflix DVD and only order DVDs, right? I mean, it, for as long as they're still doing that, I know they're shutting down shop through September, Seamus. Through September, there's time. We gotta go back. And then the two real tiers: standard, which is high definition, with two screens with the option for one non-household member, so this is that new password sharing mm. thing that they're cracking down on. That's fifteen forty nine a month, plus an additional seven ninety nine if you want to add that extra non-household member. Then you go over and look at premium, which you can stream in 4K, four screens at a time. Option for two non-household members, $20 a month, plus $7.99, per each individual non-household member, which something I was thinking about a lot during all of this is it's insane to me that they're even counting screens because realistically, how are there going to be four people watching except for if there are non-household members? Yeah, in one house, there are four different screens going. And granted, I, I definitely remember when they were shuffling up these tiers and they in- included like standard was the new like base thing. So if you had a regular account, you are now on a standard account, and two screens, sure, can be a little bit limited, but four screens in one household on one IP at the exact same time? You gotta have a big house for that. Also, this is gonna be a recurring thing. It is insane to me that there are streaming services that are charging $20 a month for their highest tiers. That is insane. Well, I mean, Netflix has been around so long that maybe they think that they can, and I mean, people will still have Netflix for whatever reason... You know, that's the one that people will always fall back on. Well, let's take a look at what they're getting for their money. Because in terms of their original content, they have Stranger Things, The Crown, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson, Wednesday, Bridgerton, Black Mirror, plus all of the original series for Nickelodeon that they are currently in development with as part of their Nickelodeon deal, plus, you know... Original movies like Glass, Onion, and Knives Out Mystery, which, you know, no plans for that to come to physical anytime soon, so we're stuck, I guess, if we want to watch Glass Onion, we gotta have a Netflix account. And then, outside of that, we have 
their licensed content, which includes things like Better Call Saul, Avatar The Last Airbender, Kim's Convenience, and Shameless. I mean, there's there are good highlights in this list here, I feel like. You know, there's also famously... T- I love BoJack Horseman. That, I mean, has been not renewed for a long time now, and that can really go into a little bit more of Netflix's, like, union busting and, and their mistreatment of their animation teams and, and that kind of world but you know there's less and less that i'm seeing on like the really famous important netflix stuff that i am there for you know i think you should leave obviously classic amazing timeless comedy but i you know stranger things i've dropped off on since season three Uh, i never really got into the crown black mirror hasn't been good since it moved to netflix so i mean it's that bigger price point is seeming a little hefty the more i think about what i what i personally would actually be going in there for not to mention and we're going to mention this for every service that has done so that hasn't had a netflix nuisance or a warner warning they have also been pulling original content that is one of the streaming services that is vaulting away stuff that you might want to watch so that is very unfortunate oh it's always unfortunate when we see that stuff especially because like you just mentioned physical media is is going the way of the di- like all these all these companies are like yeah it's streaming that's the new like ultimate be all end all of content basically and then they're just like assume like the assumption of people not caring as much as they don't care about shelving things like that for for money purposes like oh we have so much content oh yeah netflix has so much original content that's like better than garbage like no it really doesn't and most of the things that netflix is making is specifically not very good the things that are good netflix originals wise quote unquote seem to be more of like partnerships with people like ryan johnson for things like glass onion yeah definitely And I think we're seeing with the fact that so many of these services, again, we haven't gotten to really any of them yet, are adding ad tiers, are adding all of these little caveats where the streaming bubble is bursting. And soon some of these streaming services are going to be going under and all of their original programming, whether they've vaulted it or not, is going to be harder and harder to access. And that is a scary thought, I think. Oh, God. God knows how the eventual like Nickelodeon effects on things that are actually you know important to some people's childhood in, in a nostalgia sense are going to be affected by things like Netflix just having full streaming rights and not granting access for whatever dumb tax reasons well, and that's the smart thing and we'll get to this a little bit later Netflix does not have exclusive streaming rights to any of the old Nickelodeon stuff, thank goodness, but yeah. Oh, thank God. When they start rolling out those Avatar movies, I do not know what's going to happen. Oh, boy. There's going to be a lot of anger. I mean, that, that fan base will mobilize against Netflix, <laughs> I feel like, but they'll, they'll call on the Fire Nation. I, That's I a reference, say, right? I get that reference. That's what I was going to say, Chip. Hey. hey, Avatar heads, they're red like the Fire Nation. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. They'll be foaming at the mouth. They'll get their giant mech Dave Filoni thing to go attack the Netflix headquarters. It'll be great. Go protect the world tree and connect <laughs> your head tail to the to the tree of souls. Sure, and sure. No, that's all. That's all James Cameron Avatar stuff that I'm talking about now. Uh, James Cameron versus Dave Filoni fight to the death on the Netflix grounds. We'll see who the James true... Cameron would beat. Dave Filoni to death with his bare hands. You know that Dave Filoni's got like a Mortal Kombat Raiden style like razor blade cowboy hat that he can throw like a frisbee? You don't think that's coming? I don't think it matters. I think James Cameron (laughs) 
literally has thicker skin than your average mortal man. No, James Cameron would be like, you gotta fight on my turf, and it's just open water in the middle of the ocean. So, like, it's gonna be hard for everybody. I was gonna say he was gonna drown <laughs> Dave Filoni in... There's no water around, but they're like, they take Dave Filoni for the autopsy, and there's water in his lungs? Hey, man, waterbending? Something, something waterbending? I don't know. I never watched that show more than, like, the first half of the first season. It's good. I'll get I around, finally got to, around it. to it. So. I mean, hey, if I can stomach my Netflix, uh, well, I guess I'm not paying for my own Netflix account at the moment, but if I am kicked, maybe I'll never watch it. Who knows? They're going to hear you, Seamus. <laughs> they're, they're cracking down on us via podcast. All right, but what do you what do you think about moving on to Amazon Prime Video? Yeah, let's break it down. So we already mentioned that there is a cheaper ad tier coming soon, which is a little strange again, because they already have some ads involved in their regular Prime Video tier but the regular that regular prime video only tier is $8.99 a month then we have our standard prime which I I believe that's with like all the extra prime goodies right the Amazon music prime services on mm-hmm. on the apps and deliveries and all that so you do actually get a good amount of extra stuff with this one but that is $15.99 a month or $139 a year and then there's also a student tier that after following a six-month free trial, it is $7.49 a month or $69 a year. So not terrible pricing-wise, I feel like. This one has stayed fairly consistent, I want to say, through the years. I agree. I feel like, if anything, Amazon remains the kind of the most balanced option from a pricing perspective, especially with all the extra bells and whistles you get when you get beyond that only Prime Video tier. And they have, I mean, a lot of interesting original content in the last few years. Things like Air, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power series, really interesting animation, things like Invincible, uh, obviously podcast favorite, The Boys, the Jack Ryan franchise, which they've been, you know, really going wild with. There's way more Jack Ryan than I thought there was at at first glance. Uh, And then, of course, things like Top Gun Maverick, Nope, the James Bond franchise after their MGM acquisition earlier last year, and Jurassic World. Dominion. Then, of course, Freebie is a part of was is looped into the Prime Video realm here with Freebie originals like Jury Duty and Alex Ryder and other Freebie outside content like Shit's Creek, The Twilight Zone, and Mad Men. So, I mean, it is it, like there to this day. I feel like Amazon Prime does have a lot to offer for the price point. I feel like it it has more than you think it does. Scrolling through, and maybe that's a bigger part of my problem problem with Amazon Prime is that the interface and the way that things are organized and the categories of series and movies are still jumbled up between what is included in Prime and what is a standalone rent or buy kind mm-hmm. of thing and that just has bugged me to this day so it, it is a little harder to get into the gold on Amazon Prime Video I feel like and I think despite their attempts to streamline their interface it has actually gotten even more inscrutable Mm-hmm. Not to mention something that really bothers me about Amazon, despite the fact that I do feel like they have a really good mix of, you know, classics and modern films and originals and comedy television and prestige television and all of that is layered in together, often they only have something on for literally one month. They will license something for Ugh. one month. And so 
I'll add something to my watch list. I'll go back two weeks later to watch it, and it's like, you want to rent this movie, maybe? Hmm? Yeah, that hmm? sucks, man. That that sucks. And I mean, they probably make a good amount of money with that kind of shuffle. With that method, probably specifically, they put what people want on there for such a brief time that they'll know that it's on there, and then by the time they get back and realize that they have to rent it, they're like, ah, whatever, I guess I'll rent it for $3 and, and just, you know, be done with the streaming search. I don't want to have to go to Netflix and and Hulu and Max and like find where it might be. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think they're, they're they're running a pretty good scheme over there at Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, they they're really smart about it. Not to mention the fact that we haven't even really talked about these and they're not going to factor into our rankings in any way. But on Amazon, you can do things like oh, add your Showtime add-on, add mm. your Paramount Plus add-on through Amazon Prime Video and stream things on Amazon Prime Video. And guess who's getting a cut of that money Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, I mean uh, again, there there have been some very good things I've found on there and honestly, sometimes the ease of access to rent something that is not streaming anywhere to just be like, well, fine, I'm at the end of my rope, I can't find this anywhere else, I could try to search through like six pages of Google for a, for a stream <laughs> somewhere with like Hindi subtitles or something, but sometimes it's nice to just be able to be like, fine, I'll eat the $3, have the really good quality, have the good, you know, streaming experience, I feel like I don't often find myself getting, you know, long buffering times or anything else like that. Maybe that does have to do with the ads that they still fit into a lot of the content that they offer. But even then, I think Amazon's codec is really good compared to something like Netflix, where I'm like, man, this just looks like garbage. Even when you have a good connection, things like Amazon, I think actually have a pretty good, rich, good contrast streaming codec which I appreciate. I appreciate when streaming services actually prioritize making sure that their shows look good when you stream them. Yeah, it's it's nice to see. And especially for something like, I'm a, I'm a huge The Grand Tour fan, and I, I've, I've watched all those seasons and all the movie specials, and I'm excited for the new one that they're filming right now in, I think they're doing one in England again. They're like more recently updated content. It feels just genuinely very high quality I mean, Amazon Studios access, things to, like, that... The Big Sick was Amazon Studios, I want to yes, say? Yes, it was. And, you know, there there are there are really good new things, too, that, that have that Amazon stamp on them that I think it's, it's, it's good to have an access to that stuff all in one place for what you are guaranteed in the Prime category. You don't, you don't really have to search through the other stuff to find that. But next up on our docket here is Hulu which has a shockingly simple little little pricing tier system here. With ads, you can get Hulu for $7.99 a month or $79.99 a year. You can get Hulu without ads for $14.99 a month. Or you can get the Disney bundle, which has multiple different tiers that we're not going to get into right now, which it didn't <laughs> used to have, which seems really confusing and annoying. But basically, uh... the three different tiers of the Disney bundle are $9.99, $12.99 or $19.99 a month, which honestly, I think any of the three of those is still a pretty good deal, all things considered. So if you're looking at their original content, Hulu has really stepped up their game since the last time we did this. You're looking at, I mean, probably that has something to do with Disney overhauling right. their I'm, stuff. I'm sure, and, I'm sure. But they have things like Only Murders in the Building, The Bear, The Handmaid's Tale, Reservation Dogs, The Dropout, and Under the Banner of Heaven. Now, it is worth noting that they count 
FX series that also air on FX at the same time they're dropped on Hulu as, as Hulu originals. I see, I see. So there's a little bit of a wrinkle there. So take take that with a grain of salt, I suppose, if you really want to count them as originals or not. But, like, Only Murders in the Building is a purely Hulu original series, and that's probably my favorite thing of Hulu originals that I've actually watched. Mm-hmm. Then you bop on over to their outside content, which is where Hulu really does and always has shined. They have network series like Abbott Elementary, Atlanta, Rick and Morty, basically anything that's on network TV that's not CBS, and even lately a little bit of CBS. You can get your Bob Newhart on now. <laughs> oh yeah, no Hulu kidding. If you want to watch him walk through downtown Chicago to a bossa nova beat. Ooh, hell yeah, dude. You know I want to do that. It is a great show. It really is. And on top of that, they also have, you know, basically a bunch of Fox franchises. Again, left over from the Disney-Fox merger. If we're talking, like, Fox and FX, like, things getting moved over, just between the H. John Benjamin duality of Archer and Bob's Burgers, both, like dropping consistently on hulu together like it, that, that's really all you need for adult animation stuff you know get your rick and morty's out of here but then one of the originals that i will stand by forever that i've been i would love for you to get into one day solar oh, opposites my friend i can't believe i didn't include that in the well, doc. I, I'm sorry. I noticed you didn't and i was like i'm gonna bring it up because that show is increable i love that show. It, it knocks rick and morty out of the water, and I say that every time I talk about it, and, you know, there's less of certain problematic people doing a million voices on that show than the alternative, so I think it's it's pretty solid. Hmm. Are you thinking hard about that one? I don't am. You, don't you want just Thomas Middleditch to be the star? Don't I you want love... the kid from uh, the Goldbergs to really sweep you away? I do love the kid from the Goldbergs. He's from, like, Naperville or something. Is he really? He's kind of a local guy, yeah. Oh, that's kind of, that's kind of awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, Hulu, I, I like Hulu. It's not improved very much, but I think their pricing has remained relatively consistent, and I do think that their original content has improved. Hulu also, I want to point out, that we're not really covering any of the anime-specific streaming services, but I feel like Hulu has a, a great... It's, it's got a crop, Garrett. It's got a really yeah. good crop of, like, full series that, you know, something like I noticed on Netflix is they'll have, like, one or two seasons of an anime series. Even, like, two seasons in the middle of, like, a 30-season franchise, and they'll just have a couple of them because that's what they have. But Hulu's been very consistent, I feel like, with with the things that they have and they have locked in for a long time. Like, something super long, like Inuyasha that I just finished, or, like, they've had Cowboy Bebop on there for, like, years and years, even though that's just, like, a two season cult classic or even something like akira i feel like i've seen on hulu for years and years now like as the home of of that piece hulu also we have to note is one of the companies that has pulled original content from their services so there is also that um what that feather removed from its cap as it were because damn it, it, all of these, like, the ones that are good are really good, but it really does suck when we just have to be like, well, there's stuff we'll never see again, and they're the boss, so we can't do Jack. I do Joey King's The Princess. <laughs> sure, that's something. It's supposed to be uh, fun. It's like the raid, I think, except she is a princess fighting her way down her tower. 
oh, that's fun. That's really cool, actually. It, I don't know. I didn't watch it, but it's well, supposed to be good. And I now we never will. will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Well, you want to hop from one section of the Disney bundle over to another real quick? We should definitely do that and discuss Disney Plus with the initial ad tier starting with $7.99 a month. We've got our no ads tier at $10.99 a month or $109.99 a year. And then, of course, there's the Disney bundles, depending on your plans that we were already mentioning before with things like Hulu and ESPN. Uh, They've got a lot of original content in the last few years that they've been in the game here. Andor, The Mandalorian, Miss Marvel, Loki, She-Hulk, things like The Muppets Mayhem, and Peter Pan and Wendy. And then, obviously, they have the entire gamut of Disney-bought franchises, like all the Star Wars films, almost all of the Marvel films. They've got almost all Disney films in general... All the Pixar films, more recently, the entire Indiana Jones live-action franchise, uh, a lot of National Geographic content with their partnership with National Geographic. Post-Fox acquisition, of course, we have all the X-Men, blockbusters like Avatar, long-running series The Simpsons, and a lot of other like Muppets family content as well. It's, it's a lot. It's maybe the most you can get, like, the most consistent in terms of, like, we know they're not taking off the Star Wars, like, we're not gonna be like, where can I find Empire this year, or whatever. Like, they're gonna have it for a long, long time, forever, as it were, and it's, 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 it's gone. Disney's got that vault mentality, though, Seamus. They take stuff off all the time because yeah, they want yes. greed scarcity. That is true. Not to mention pulling their own original content. Again, that's one of the ones. Disney Danger, yeah, baby. Yeah, most, uh, I think most recently... Disney Danger? I mean, I, I, things like Andor, I feel like it would be it would be criminal to vault something like that. Like, that's not necessarily on the chopping block, but the amount of content that they have, pretty much anything that's not Marvel or Star Wars is either likely to be put right back into the vault or edited and, or censored in some way or, you know, chopped up and redone just to make Disney look a little better, even though they have decades and decades and decades of content from different times and places and creators that most people can understand you know they want things like that to be available to watch for a reason there are there are reasons to have like a record of that and it's a little harder to praise disney plus with their like full timeline when they're just like picking and choosing what actually gets to stay on that timeline. Also, in true Disney fashion, they came in with a really good price point. Like, when Disney Plus was the new kid on the block when we did this the last time, and they had a really good, I think it was like $8 a month, period. And now they have just absolutely jacked up those prices like crazy. To be fair, they have a lot more original content, things like that now, but clearly that was Disney's kind of plan all along, was to get people in, get them hooked, and then raise the prices on them. Yeah, really, they they really seemed like they were going with the flow of like all like they're Disney Plus is in a crowd of like years and years long established streaming services that are all trying to update their form as a streaming service to stay relevant and to stay profitable. And then Disney was like, "Well, I'm just gonna slip into raising prices and including ads because everyone else is doing it, even though I've only been here for like three years at this point." I. Mm-hmm. 
I think it was very strategic, the timing of literally everything about the drop of Disney Plus and their content. So I guess less surprising, per se. It's just a bit more of a shame that we can't rely on something as specific as like a everything Disney service to keep that content locked. But let's go ahead and move on to Paramount Plus, which is another newer streaming service. Um, it hadn't even made the change over Paramount Plus the last time we did this. It used to be CBS All Access, which was absolutely at the bottom of our totem pole oh, last yes. time we did this. But nowadays, you can get... There's two different plans. That's it. Although, if you're a student, you can get 25% off either of these plans, which I think that's a good deal. With ads, it is $5 a month, $4.99. And without ads, it is $9.99 a month, which for old Paramount Plus... Definitely want not have been worth it, but lately they have been really stepping up their game in terms of the quality of their original content. They have the Yellowstone spinoffs, 1883 and 1923, the iCarly reboot, the Criminal Minds reboot, Criminal Minds Evolution, the Beavis and Butthead reboot, the Good Fight, Tulsa King with Sly Stallone, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Star Trek Picard, just a bunch of... Existing intellectual property that they are expanding and rebooting and spinning off. Not to mention, of course, they have lots of outside, non-original content. Basically, every new Paramount movie goes to Paramount Plus about 45 days after it hits theaters. So, Top Gun Maverick, which famously took a lot longer to get there. The Scream franchise, the new Dungeons & Dragons movie. They have a backlog of Nickelodeon and CBS series. Frasier, we just have to mention. Of course. They have lots and lots of Smithsonian Channel content. All the Star Trek films, or at least most of the Star Trek films, plus a really robust catalog of classic Paramount movies. I think this is the award for most improved streaming service, certainly. And especially for the price, I think that they have a really good variety of of stuff to watch. Yeah, I think so, too. I I definitely remember being very unimpressed the first time around with Paramount+, Plus, but... As somebody who just wants to be somebody getting into Star Trek, I feel like there's no other way to go but Paramount+. Plus. I like the idea that they they have all of these brand new shows that expand the universe and pretty much everything that I need as somebody who's incredibly non-versed in Star Trek to make their start, all the movies, the shows, the new stuff. I'm, I'm into it for sure. And I mean, Frasier... You got me with Frasier. We didn't even mention the Frasier revival that is coming to Paramount Plus at some point. That will be another in the long list of updated, reimagined Paramount property things. That It's going to be interesting to see how they go with that. And surely worth $9.99 a month to check that out. And I think that they've also gotten better. A big complaint I used to have was that... They didn't have anything that you could stream exclusively on Paramount, and while it is still largely true, they have gotten a lot better, especially with how much they've prioritized putting new Paramount movies on there, and putting their old back catalog of movies that usually we just kind of weren't streaming at all mm. on there. They've got like an, I've been watching a lot of old Jack Lemon movies from the 70s on Paramount+, Plus, and that's the only place to find them unless I want to rent them from Amazon, <laughs> well, you know? Paramount Plus has cornered that market, which, I mean, there's a market for it. Garrett Strother, you're watching it, so that is uh, definitely extra bonus points to Paramount+. Plus. More than I thought, pre this discussion, I thought we were going to have more problems again, but really thinking about it, it 
it has improved quite a bit, and I, I would like to see them expand further. I think a lot of that is contingent on how cheap the pricing is, but you oh, know yeah. what? They know the value of their service, and they have it priced appropriately, as far as I'm concerned. And I will give Paramount props for that as well. Yeah, but such a low price point with still generating really quality original content, that's not something that you can that you can see often, especially with something like our next way more expensive service that we're talking about today, Max, which... Uh, it still doesn't roll off the tongue for me. The new name change, Max, it just, it mm-hmm. doesn't work for me. Branding-wise, I think HBO Max was a fine middle ground between their, you know, other dozen HBO service titles that they've evolved from over the years. But let's get into a little bit of the pricing here with Max. We have our high definition with ads tier at $9.99 a month or $99.99 a year. We have our HD tier with no ads at $15.99 a month or $149.99 a year. And then our ultra high definition 4K no ads tier, highest tier is $19.99 a month, $199.99 a year. That's hefty. That, that, that still shocks me. Which seems especially egregious considering the fact that on old HBO Max, you didn't have to pay for 4K. You just got 4K included with your subscription. Yeah, yeah. imagine that. Since our old days, it has really morphed into the perfect example of corporate uh, retooling to make things more profitable and less intuitive. But we've got, let's get into a little bit of the original content here. Things like the other two, Love and Death, The Sex Lives of College Girls, our Flag Means Death, Hacks, Peacemaker, and the Sex in the City reboot, not to mention, of course. Well, you and I are watching that every week. I was going to say, I, on it. as somebody who has never seen a second of the original show, I've, I'm already there, Gary. You sold me. Well, I'm I'm such a Miranda. You're such a Carrie. And Liz <laughs> Lemon is the woman who watches at home. <laughs> of course, famously. Oh, but outside of that kind of original content, we have just an absolute crop of outside stuff here. We've got all new Warner Brothers movies, a lot of new Fox movies, including Avatar 2, colon, The Way of Water. You've got Friends. You've got HBO content, HGTV content, the entire DC catalog, the Harry Potter Wizarding World franchise, Food Network, Discovery, Turner Classic Movies, Adult Swim, Studio Ghibli, Cartoon Network, Sesame Street, The Travel Channel, CNN... So it's it is the absolute smorgasbord over here of content over at Max. Famously on the show we covered the Last of Us HBO series which is the newest global phenomenon that it can be streamed on Max right now. So they've got a lot of really they've got pretty much the most. This is the streaming service that has the most. If you need variety and you need quality originals and everything else in the world, it, it, Max seems to be the one to watch weirdly enough. It's difficult because despite all of our Warner warnings and our bemoaning the loss of HBO Max as the perfect streaming service. The transition to Max certainly has impacted its interface is worse. Its content is more confused and hard to browse, but it still, even at the price point, got a great variety of really hyper-quality original programming. Yeah, it sucks that this is still just kind of the best one. I mean, not to get ahead of our rankings, (laughs) but... I mean, 
basically between like the Fox movies, Adult Swim, and Studio Ghibli, you can like watch that for like just those three like forever, pretty much, and you'd be fairly satisfied. But oh. they have so much extra stuff. You know, Disney is so mad that they had to let them stream Avatar two at the same time as Disney Plus <laughs> gets it. You know, they're so oh, mad about that. Seething, truly. However, you can stream on Disney Plus in 4K without an upgrade, so that's worth keeping in mind. Oh man, that price, man. 20 bucks a month for 4K is is a lot. It's just a lot. What? And and I I will not let Max get away with this episode without talking about how Infinity Train is gone. That is still a crime, and I still hate that so much, and it is not on Max. As far as I, I, I have no idea if they have any plans to revive that for Max, but 20 bucks a month, maybe I'd be happy to pay that with Infinity Train involved, but that's just not an option. <laughs> $20 a month, you get all the content that we vaulted. <laughs> Dude, that is maybe the best idea for a streaming service ever. It's just the one, that some legal loophole where all of the vaulted, pulled things are put on one illegal pirate streaming service. <laughs> I'd pay for uh, it. I think Max uh, it is up there for me. I don't know if I'm going to definitively say anything yet about the ranking, but... We'll, we'll find out soon. We'll it's, it's got so much. It's got a lot of... I mean, if I need my Brad Neely fix, if I need my Brad Neely's Hargnolin Scoliopipio and some China, Illinois up in here, there's only one place, and that's Max. And that's very strange that that kind of bizarro content is buried in the depths of the inner labyrinth of the Adult Swim page of Max. Why don't we go ahead and move on to Peacock, which is our next service here. You can get Peacock with ads for $4.99 a month, and... Forty nine ninety nine a year. They don't have a free tier anymore with ads like they used to, which is unfortunate. And you can get limited ads, not no ads. They have no no ads tier, but you can get limited ads for nine ninety nine a month and ninety nine ninety nine a year. They have some pretty limited original content, but you know some of it's good. Bubkiss, the new Pete Davidson. Uh, I think it's Edie Falco and Joe Pesci series. Oh, wow. They have Poker Face, which is the Ryan Johnson, Natasha Leone kind of Columbo riff show. Miss Davis, which is that new AI thriller show that I think looks interesting, but haven't heard good things about. And Bel Air, which is, of course, the gritty Fresh Prince reboot. <laughs> that sounds like a 30 Rock bit. It does. It, does. it really does. It's I'm... on Peacock, Lemon. <laughs> Peacock is a Jack Donaghy idea. <laughs> uh, it worked for HBO Max. I don't think it's going to work for us, but... There's Peacock with ads, and then there's Peacock with the Seinfeld Vision add-on for an extra $4.99 a month. Well, speaking of Seinfeld Vision, let's talk about what legacy outside content they've got on Peacock, because it's kind of a lot. They have, obviously, new Universal movies when they hit, so, like, Fast X, soon to be streaming on on Paramount. Fast X, soon to be streaming on Peacock. You've got Focus Features movies also hit Peacock after their theatrical release. Of course, you've got heavy hitters like Hallmark, WWE. Though, I mean, I guess those kind of are heavy hitters. But speaking of <laughs> literal heavy hitters, you do have National Football League games on Peacock. You've got your dad's favorite show, Yellowstone. 
Plus, of course, you've got NBC series like Law and Order, The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Brooklyn Nine Nine. I feel like I I have the least to watch on Peacock. You know what I mean? I feel like the the banishment of an ad free tier is is kind of crazy to me. If I'm already paying a monthly thing, even if I don't choose to pay for the upgrade, there should be an option to have that be a thing. I feel like paying somebody to watch commercials is already a concession in the streaming universe that is crazy to me that it caught on so quickly once we got a bigger landscape of different things. But now we're just down to like, this is basically one TV channel with the, you know, no benefits of streaming. You still have to watch ads no matter what you do and you're still paying them. I mean, $9.99 a month, you could get pretty much every single other streaming service at a tier with no ads at that point for that same price. I I, I don't know. I, I don't think the, the Bel Air is not pulling me in, Garrett. I feel like maybe Poker Face would be the one and only thing that I would try to get into because that actually does look really fun. Yeah, it's interesting. They have so much. They have good stuff. I mean, Halloween ends? Come on. Where else can you watch Halloween ends? That's Nowhere true. except for maybe Amazon Prime or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Peacock, they're close to being really good. I think if they can shape up a little bit more like their buddies over at Paramount did, they could really have something cooking. Because yeah, you know, Parks and Rec, The Office, even Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like just like really, really watchable sitcoms that's you know nbc's whole thing or at least was at a certain point and if that's you know even 5.99 a month with if you're already getting ads 5.99 ain't that bad if you're just like i just want it for my my nbc golden thursday era of television content i i think that is that's fine but past that i don't really see much in this service that i would be signing up for but let's hit our last surface here, we have Apple TV Plus, who has one flat price, assuming you don't have 15 months of it stacked from miscellaneous Apple and PlayStation purchases, $6.99 a month, a pretty significant hike since their $4.99 a month that they were two years ago, but they've also expanded the size of their service a great deal since then. Their original content, which is almost all of what the service is comprised, is Ted Lasso, uh, Academy Award Best Picture winner Coda, the Jason Siegel Harrison Ford show Shrinking, For All Mankind, multiple Snoopy series, the Chris Evans Ana de Armas fake in a mo- movie in a movie ghosted, <laughs> the after party, and of course our anticipated Martin Scorsese's epic Killers of the Flower Moon. They have added, though, a decent amount of outside content since last time we talked, including even more Peanuts specials, a rotating shortlist of featured movies. Right now, they have, like, war, like old-timey war fantasy epics on. Oh. So they've got, like, The Forbidden Kingdom and Camelot and stuff like that. They also have MLB Friday Night Baseball, if you want to watch, you know, maybe a couple of teams that you're interested in, just casually on Apple TV. Plus, they have a lot of Major League Soccer games. Yeah, it's de- there's definitely a lot of good stuff in Apple TV. I still 
still don't know if it's... I mean, I guess I haven't explored the movie side of things a lot, but, you know, something like Ted Lasso, I'm a, I am a huge fan of. I mean, Severance is a modern classic. How did I, I not put Severance on? I don't know, what brother. <laughs> but that is like, that alone, those two shows, I think would be worth it to me for $6.99 a month, which is like incredibly reasonable. One tier, I'm loving the simplicity of just like, this is the service. We're not messing around. Just like have it or don't. Um, imagine that. Ah, uh, I can't at this point. It's so crazy that every single other one of these are like two to four four options that are all priced like a like a la carte like a menu at a restaurant and this is just like you want to watch ted lasso and then maybe also some real soccer 6.99 a month it's not that bad i hadn't even thought about the fact that that probably is an intentional decision of like hey we should license soccer since ted lasso's our big show i mean i i think that's i think that's really good Th- that show ted lasso probably got more americans into european football than anything that has ever been probably hey ryan reynolds he bought a whole team only because he didn't know what european football was until (laughs) ted lasso and now he owns the rexham football club so yeah yeah him and rob mckinley from uh uh, it's always sunny in philadelphia co-own that team together it's bizarre and they they only know about it because of ted lasso that's the only reason there's no other it's never been there's no other way but i think that like that's each breakdown of each individual service, Seamus, are you ready to start ranking? I I think I am. I I th- this is harder definitely this time around because there's way more merit to every single one pretty much than there was Except the first time. One. Except, Except one. Except one. I so, would, I, yeah, I would yeah. love, what is your bottom of the barrel? What is the one that is absolutely unessential to you? Get those clown horns ready, Seamus. I don't know if that's the right sound. <laughs> it is Netflix at the bottom of the list for me. I hate to agree with you. I re-listened to our original one, and you put Netflix, like, second to last back then. And uh-huh. I was like, Garrett, you're crazy. Garrett, what are you, <laughs> slow down, Garrett, Jesus. But I just, I can't justify pretty much anything that has changed about Netflix since we did this the first time. It's more expensive than it's ever been. It has less than it has ever had, save for a few really specific highlights. But I don't know if Tim Robinson can save this one. I don't I don't. I really don't know if he can. I agree. I think it's kind of wild because they really do have some originals that I like. They, you know, I love Glass Onion. That's a great movie, oh, yeah. but they just don't have enough. I never go to Netflix anymore to watch a movie or to watch TV. They canceled the gorillas movie they canceled the rest of the seasons of bojack horseman they keep doing stranger things for some reason it's just that last season was pretty good i'll take your word on it man i can't i can't just keep trying to lie to myself that i'm enjoying finn wolfhard on screen all right i just can't do it everyone (laughs) else i know you were gonna bring up finn wolfhard because i i have literally zero problems with the entire rest of that cast and that show probably besides that he's the worst main character since like Ted Mosby is that the right name is yeah, that the guy Ted Mosby sucks pretty hard that is true I don't know okay that's mean Finn Wolfhard is not as bad as Ted Mosby was in that show but I still dislike him as a character on, on that show yeah I think I mean 
mean, that's something we can all get behind. Maybe even Finn Wolfhard. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? He's probably over it. He's probably he probably feels like Ross in the later seasons of Friends, where he's just like, "This is what my character is now." <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's making bajillions per season, probably. But you know, that's neither here nor there. David Schwimmer's making a million dollars an episode. Doesn't make Ross any less insufferable. Uh, Ross has got some of the funny. Okay, we can't. This isn't the Friends ranking right now, but. Well, Seamus, what is your second to last service? I'm a little torn here on my second to last because Netflix was almost on principle. There are still things I, I'm watching on Netflix. I think I have to go with, I, I, I might have to betray Frasier and say Paramount Plus. I feel Ooh. like there's just not quite enough on there. If Just for Frasier alone, that's worth Nine ninety nine a month for me. I'm gonna watch the Frasier revival, but I I feel like I'm I was torn just now between Paramount Plus and Peacock for my next part in the list here. But I just there's just slightly less on Paramount Plus. I feel like for me. Well, fittingly, my next tier is, is Peacock because I think the price is still pretty justifiable, and they do have a lot of good stuff. But again, they just aren't quite where I want them to be, and And on top of that, I feel like there are so many other places to watch good NBC sitcoms. You can still watch, you can still watch 30 Rock on Netflix for crying out loud. You know, like, really? they haven't fully locked down their, their stuff enough yet. And as much as I really do like whenever a new Universal movie drops and I can go watch Megan on (laughs) Pete. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't think it's it's worth it to me. I don't watch enough Peacock. Well, this might be a leading question, but is your next one Paramount Plus? Uh, uh, you'll have to find out, won't you? Well, I guess I, I guess I will, because I mean, my next one after that is is Peacock. I, I was I'm trying to weigh my sitcoms and something like The Office and Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's 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 a content quantity thing at that point versus like. Frasier obviously is maybe the best sitcom ever produced on television, and I will stand by that forever. But I, I think I need a little bit more than that. If I, I'm thinking about each one of these rankings as like, would I buy this personally alone for specific reasons instead of just like kind of sharing around or you know finding one thing that I want on there? But what's up next for you? This is controversial, Seamus. You're gonna, you're gonna have a reaction to this. I'm chopping Hulu. What? That is absurd, Garrett Strother. Hulu before Paramount for you. Hulu before Paramount. That is absolutely shocking to me. And I will defend Paramount when we get to Paramount, but for for the sake of Hulu here, I just don't watch enough. And right after the Fox acquisition, so like not very long after you and I did the last episode, they mm-hmm. used to have tons and tons. They basically had the whole Fox back catalog, movie-wise. And their movie selection has just plummeted. And frankly, I feel like there's enough diversification in where I can get my TV now, where I can get my sitcoms, where I can get my dramas, that Hulu doesn't have that market corner the way it did two years ago. The diversification of streaming has worked, not necessarily in streaming's favor, but in the favor of the consumer that I think that, you know, I still watch Abbott Elementary, but guess what? I can watch Abbott Elementary on HBO Max, too. So I I feel like, personally, I've never been... Hulu, to me, has never been the movie spot. I I think there's enough, like, very easy-watching television series. I was mentioning, you know, your Archers, your Bob's Burgers. There's a lot of anime, a lot of... 
you know, trashy reality TV. It's a lot of good just, like, throwing something on content, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that there are other streaming services that have now diversified their portfolio enough to the point that I don't have to stick around only on Hulu. That is, truly, that does shock me. You kind of, you, you called your shot that you were gonna, you know, that was an upset in the bracket, but, like, that that is crazy to me, truly. That's gonna be up there for me. Yeah, I mean, I, it was up there for me last time, too, but I just feel like, again, I agree with you, I'm not holding the movie thing against it as much as the fact that I just feel like I don't watch TV on Hulu anymore. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I, my next up on the list here, I think I'm gonna have... This is getting... this As famously, this is getting harder. I think I'm gonna have to chop Amazon. I think mm-hmm. Prime does not... I think if... Again, if just for the boys, you know I love the boys. But I, I just think that a standard tier at $16 a month is just not quite enough for me to... To justify also having to have half of the stuff I want to watch be rent or buy for, you know, 48 hours or whatever that rent period is. It's just, it's not quite doing it for me as much. And I I didn't mention this in the actual breakdown, but it being Amazon Prime, a lot of content on there. Once you get past, like, maybe 20 movies in a category, it's all just, like, incredibly low-budget uh, you know, debut films of unestablished filmmakers that were able to submit their features to be, you know, screened on Amazon for whatever program that is. But it really bogs down the selections when you get a little farther into a category and everything on there is like barely, a, you know, barely a Hollywood movie. It's very low quality the farther in you go. And, and that change happens really early. I'm going to agree with you, and on my fourth to last pick here, I am going to put Amazon. I think I like it a little bit more than you do because they do have a really good mix of movies, but that, not to mention TV, to be fair. I think they also have a pretty good TV selection. But yeah, that interface is just so bad, it's so hard to browse, Mm -hmm. and it is a relatively shallow, if diverse, catalog of quality media and so yeah sorry amazon you're next on the chopping block there's really honestly not that much hard feelings it's more it more comes down to just the practicality of the streamer yeah that that really is it all right what do you think we're keeping it keeping it moving here what's next up for you what is what is in the top half here of your of your choices it is time to go paramount plus it's about time god that was way farther into things than i thought truly for you i there's There's a couple of different things going on here. One, they have a lot of new movies that I really want to watch. If anything, just because they're like, they're the streaming home of Tom Cruise. Of course. I mean, that's pointing that out. That's a pretty big check mark in the right direction, I feel like. Their original content has gotten a lot more diverse. You kind of can't beat the price for what you're getting here because I think that Paramount Plus, honestly, because the. So, not my one, but my two, three, and four, I think, are all kind of in line with each other in Mm -hmm. terms of quality. I think Paramount Plus is almost comparable to Disney in terms of it doesn't have quite as good originals. It doesn't have quite as varied a library, but it has a lot of really deep cut stuff. A lot of, like, it has a lot of stuff for kids. It has a lot of classic movies. It has educational stuff from the Smithsonian Channel. It even has, you know, Star Trek to Disney Plus's Star Wars. There's just a lot going on there, and I think that they followed that disney plus model really well while keeping the price down and i am really impressed with how much they they have improved 
I will say in in the defense of Paramount Plus, I it is probably the most cost effective. Like truly, if you did the math, I think you could get the most quality content for that price. It is it is pretty staggering, especially if you get that student twenty five percent discount as well. That's just totally. like that's nothing. That's chump change. But what do you have at your number four slot? I think I'm going to go Apple TV on this one. I, I think there's a lot of really, really good stuff on Apple TV, but my dumb ass has not explored it enough to <laughs> to put it higher on my list. I think Ted Lasso and Severance are the golden babies of Apple TV Plus content for me, but I just I'm just so aware that they are putting out so much more great quality stuff that I just need to sit down and watch. And that's, I mean, my own, my own thing that I need to work on of, of just like consuming a little more quality stuff through this service. But I think it can't quite go farther than fourth place for me. I, I, I know we've been kind of trading off who goes first, but I am just going to bounce right off of what you were saying into my third place pick, which is Apple TV+. Plus only because I have explored a lot more of that catalog than you have. And while they don't have as deep a catalog as something like, obviously, honestly, any of these other streaming services, Mm. and their batting average isn't nearly as high as it used to be, especially with Ted Lasso has fallen a bit in in my eyes in, in its later seasons, even a show I really love, like For All Mankind, I thought the third season faltered a little bit. I still think no matter what you pick on Apple TV, Television-wise, you're probably going to have a pretty good time. Their movies are a lot more hit or miss. You know, Ghosted. I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, I didn't hear great um, things about Ghosted. Uh, Coda, I didn't see. But you know what? One best picture, so good for them. Very excited for Killers of the Flower Moon. I think that most of the time, you're just pretty safe on Apple TV+. Plus, Even though they've raised their prices a little bit, and I really liked paying $5 a month for Apple TV+, Plus, I still think that $8 is in a sweet spot that I am more than happy paying for what I'm getting. And with my third place slot, I'm finally, I think, going to put up Hulu up there. I I think it hung out as long as it could for me in terms of I'm there for the long-running Fox series content that is less about, like, what Hulu can offer in terms of originals, even though I'll, I'll defend Solar Opposites all day long, but just the fact that I can... I have many years worth of franchises that I can dig into between like Fox animated shows and Eastern anime shows sprinkle in a movie or two here or there that I mean again we've already established that's not their strong suit really but I feel like I can watch Hulu like the length of that it's got the endurance of of being able to be able to watch it for so long I can understand that again I mean Hulu was more about my personal streaming habits. And I just think that overall, in terms of television, there are other options out there. But I think if Hulu has like specifically what you're looking to watch, I completely understand ranking it as high as you do. And Solar Opposites. But I'm not going to keep going on about Solar Opposites. Of course, of course. What do you got in your silver slot, Garrett? My silver slot... Much like last time, is going to be Disney Plus, although I gotta say it's barely hanging on, I think, as my second place tier, because even though, you know, they have also expanded their catalog a great deal, they've got a lot of licenses to things that they didn't have previously. I mean, Spider Man is on Disney Plus now, Indiana Jones is on Disney Plus now, 
which are things that it didn't seem likely that they were ever going to get a few years ago, their original quality has dropped a lot. Again, last time we covered them, they were the new kids on the block, and pretty much all the original content that they had was good. Something we talked about on the last show was The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which is straight up nixed from Disney+. Yeah. Now, so there are some problems that I have. Obviously, I mean, The Mandalorian has just boom, <laughs> as has, uh, you know, yeah. Book of Boba Fett. I am cautiously optimistic about Ahsoka, but there are still things holding it up for me, like Andor is obviously primo. Oh, yes. I still love being able to have a place to watch The Simpsons, you know, like there's something that I wish were on Hulu, I, I wished were on Hulu for a really long time, but is actually on Disney Plus, also with the ability to choose what aspect ratio you're watching it in, which I really appreciate. So yeah, Disney, next time we do this, I don't know if Disney Plus will be in the second spot, but it is holding that, holding that silver for now for me. What about you? I have to fully agree with you, man. I was having a very similar kind of struggle in terms of like it. it my second is Disney Plus, but like by by an inch, like truly the depth of content. If you just want to watch like sixty year old Disney movies with Kurt Russell in them, I don't know how old those movies actually are, but whatever you you know what I mean. That seems about right. If you just want to like really fall into a little bit of the old. Hollywood Disney history of that era they've got everything and Star Wars is our baby we love it even if it hurts us sometimes it would it would be hard to fully forsake something like the entire Star Wars saga plus all of you know visions cartoon shows live action shows even the ones that drop off a little bit yeah the promise of future content through the you know the most important franchise of my life it's definitely up there up there but as our mutual and returning champion max as it were hbo's max the a place to watch for hbo whatever the weird stupid tagline is now it's just got too much it's just such a goliath of content sections it's got a million different sections and all those sections are stacked with decades of franchise content brand new content that's dropping regularly new original stuff that is just like honestly higher quality than i would have imagined with the kind of corporate business bs that max loves to pull on their streaming services it's a little hard to praise them right now again where's infinity train but a lot of other incredible things that you can get for the highest price point it has to be worth it and they and they make it more worth it than you would think i'll say this i think that mostly our lower picks have if anything risen in esteem with us in the last two years i can i can see that disney plus and, and max i respect less than i used to but are still just so undeniably huge Mm-hmm. that you can't really argue with them. I think the biggest shock slash absolutely not a shock at all is that Netflix is the just the last place at this point. I think it's been a long time coming, and I know you already ranked Netflix pretty low the first time around, like two and a half years ago, but it is, it's, it's nice to know that we're all on the same page, that Netflix is like in its, in its death stage. It's the death rat. It's the death to dumb. That is exactly what it is. That's the last, not with a bang, but with a da dumb. It is. It is going <laughs> out into the sweet night. Well, 
if you agreed or disagreed with our rankings, if you think me putting Hulu third to last is the craziest thing I've ever done on this show, <laughs> I sure think that. Tweet at us, uh, email us, let us know your thoughts, leave a comment, please tell us how stupid we are, or tell us, you know, which of these streaming services do you think is worthwhile? Because frankly, I think the best bang for your buck, if I were to recommend to like normal people, because I do think H- I do I do think Max is worth it. And I think if you just got Max and the Disney bundle with Hulu and ESPN Plus, I think you would be set. I still think that's an insane amount of money to pay because that's almost $30 I mean, a month. It's a lot, but I mean, that pretty much covers all the essential bases anyone would need. Unless you need something hyper-specific like a Frasier. Yeah, or if you're a really big Ted Lasso fan, I still, like, if you're going to have, if you're somebody who doesn't watch a lot of stuff, but you want to watch good stuff, I still think something like Apple TV is probably more the speed to go. Because it's not a ton of options, it's not a mm. ton of browsing, it's just like, oh, here's the eight movies that they have, yeah, one and here's tier. the 15 shows. <laughs> exactly, you get, it's the one tier, and this is what you get, you don't have to scroll for an hour to find something that you actually think looks interesting. All of it's going to be pretty solid, and it's all right there for you. But why don't we go ahead and move on to our pop culture reference. Let's do it. For today's pop culture reference, we're going to be talking about the SAG-AFTRA strike authorization. This week, members of SAG-AFTRA, or the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, voted nearly 98% in favor of authorizing a strike amidst impending collective bargaining between the union and the Association of Motion Picture and Television Producers. The result of this vote does not mean that SAG-AFTRA has declared a strike, merely that the members have empowered the national board to declare a strike if unable to reach a deal with the AMPTP. As previously covered in depth in a pop culture reference segment in episode 127 on May 2nd, 2023, the Writers Guild of America officially went on strike over failure of their negotiating terms to be met by the AMPTP. The SAG-AFTRA negotiations will focus on many of the same issues that the WGA have gone on strike over, including increased wages, residual policies for streaming media, and the use of AI technology to replace or exploit production roles in film and television. With this authorization, the possibility of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA striking at the same time seems very likely, which could have an impact on the entertainment industry as a whole in a way not seen in decades. It's also worth noting that the Directors Guild of America recently reached an agreement with the AMPTP that addressed many of the concerns listed, including the use of AI to potentially cover responsibilities filled by a director. This is pretty wild times (laughs) in the entertainment industry. Oh, yes. I'm sure we will continue to be covering the ongoing negotiations in our news segments, but it felt like we just need to get ahead of it right now. That authorization's on the table. Here's what it means. They're not on strike yet, but they might be joining the picket line soon. I mean, I was worried a lot about things like Andor being, you know, part of the WGA-affected projects, Mm -hmm. but now I'm hearing rumors of Dead Reckoning Part 2 being fully shut down amidst many, many things. Everything's about to be delayed. Yeah, everything. It, there, there was a chance that Hollywood could have tried to push through without writers, as we have seen in the past. But if it's a double strike of literally everyone that can creatively contribute to a production like that, then it's gonna be it's gonna be like when Hollywood shut down for COVID. There's just gonna be nothing for so long. I'm telling you, Tommy, Tommy Cruise, 
push Mission Impossible. I don't want you to do it. But, I need it in my veins as soon as possible. But you but have to. He has to. That's like I think that's like actually maybe important now. I think with this SAG after us stuff happening and and the potential for even more unions to be involved, I think he has to. But like if he's worried about Oppenheimer and Barbie kicking him out, Tom, you got 2024 is wide open. Yeah, Go exactly. for it, buddy. Oh, man. But, you know, we'll see the absolutely long-lasting effects of these kinds of strikes for years to come, probably. So we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Certainly. But let's go ahead and move on to saving the Rexa. Let's do it. Save the Rexa! Now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our weekly rec recommendations. Garrett, what do you got for me this week? Well, last weekend, I went to go see the new Canadian kind of satire, kind of biopic, all-around fascinating time, Blackberry, by Matt Johnson, who... I love, of course, from Nirvana, the band, the show. I think you also share an affinity for for that as well. Oh, absolutely. Starring Johnson himself, plus a great Glenn Howerton and Jay Baruchel performance. It's the rise and fall of Blackberry about how technological hubris and innovation are uh, sometimes a deadly combo. Not deadly. I, I feel like that's a poor choice of words. <laughs> going to be a murder but, in this movie? No, but... Sometimes, you know, you're, you get in over your head, and it's a tough thing to navigate. Very funny. In the second half, kind of turns into a little bit more of the social network, but overall, I had a very good time, and I'm sure it will be streaming on Amazon in seconds after this episode <laughs> drops. Well, I've definitely been very interested to, to go see Blackberry. I am a huge Glenn Howerton fan. I actually didn't know Jay Baruchel was in it, but I, I love him as well. I love the idea of, like, a a fake serious parody tech drama like the founder style but just you know put glenn howerton in a bald cap i'm i'm very much into that i i i'm that's high on my list and in one second whenever that's on amazon i'm definitely gonna watch that i also want to shout out my boy canadian filmmaker ben petrie who had did some really great shorts that I have quite an affinity for several years ago, and I was very glad to see him pop up as an actor in this movie. Oh, fantastic. All right. But what do you got, Seamus? I'm back to the video game train, Garrett, and surprise, I, have, I have a video game that you would hate to play, I think. It is... Surprise, surprise. <laughs> this one, it's it's always, what. why won't Garrett want to play this one, is the question <laughs> I ask myself. And the answer to this one, the game Madison from Argentine studio Bloodiest Games, is maybe, truly, literally, the most scary video game I've ever played in my entire life. I am a horror video game aficionado, I would, I would dare to say. I'm huge Resident Evil fan. I'm big into, like, indie horror games. I think the Outlast franchise is one of the most fun horror experiences I have ever done. But this game, Madison, is just... It's the perfect combination of entirely photorealistic graphics and the game mechanic of having to use the flash on an instant Polaroid camera to see anything in the dark. And... No, it is no, no, 
no, no, no. I, I, I'm, again, a big horror game guy. I have to, like, sometimes be like, do I really want to play this game right now? Because it is, it is a fairly short indie game experience. But I, it's taken, I haven't finished it yet, man. It's, I'm, t- I'm playing it in, like, ten minute snippets because you will get scared so badly that you, you just have to put it down, basically. It is phenomenal. The story's a little confusing, but the gameplay and environment and mechanics of the camera itself are a bone chilling and beautiful and i will play it for you maybe one day when it gets closer to halloween because i think you would actually crap your pants if you played this garrett i was about to say i kind of almost would like to see that played. i would not like to play it myself that's not something, <laughs> something i would enjoy but that is kind of that is an interesting mechanic and i'm a scared little baby <laughs> Dude, oh my so... god again i love horror films i love horror games i'm like i'm like yelling i'm like actually screaming when <laughs> stuff happens in this game it, it is that oh. is not you don't get to that out of me often with anything That's but this awesome. game destroys me i i can't wait to finish it i'm hoping there's a sequel one day it's just it's just very innovative and truly horrifying after you've chipped your way through it 10 minutes at a time exactly, the next exactly. Several years. <laughs> i mean i'm really i'm making it harder on myself that i'm i'm turning up the volume so loud and i'm turning off every light in my apartment but it's the way to do it man it's i've, I've i'm doing this i gotta do it for real but that wraps us up for this week's episode of pop culture reference if you want to reach the show you can tweet us follow us on instagram and follow us on tiktok at pcr underscore podcast you can email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com like us on facebook do all of those fun engagement things next week it's time seamus we're here for it Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom Ooh, are baby. coming to the podcast. I am so excited to talk to this with you. I already rewatched Raiders, and I'm going to have some thoughts, let me tell you. Double the treat, <laughs> though. We are having uh, good friend Sean Malin of Sean Till Dusk on YouTube on for Raiders and Temple of Doom. So it'll be fun to have a guest on and get a get an outside perspective that will largely probably be the exact same <laughs> that we have about Indiana Jones. Well, I definitely can't wait. I haven't done my rewatches yet, and I haven't seen Temple of Doom in a long time, and so I'm I'm extra excited about that. I think we'll have a great time together, us three. I'm sure there will be some interesting thoughts <laughs> going around, but that's for next week. Adios, amigos. Adios.